large industry professionals to the Cheyenne Runner Show, quenching your marketing, distribution, and sales thirst for more horsepower on the craft beer, cider, and spirits industry. My name is Mark Colburn, and I'll be your crew chief. Today's episode is more clutter busting, taking the gloves off. Our program objective is to provide you with an overview of marketing, distribution, and sales learnings and experiences from a veteran, me, who's been in the craft beer, spirits, and cider biz for over 25 years. The goal of this program will be to help you better understand marketing's role, priority, and importance in the marketplace and how it relates to your business model. So, hey, we've got an email question, and uh, we received an email from Kyle out in Longmont, Colorado. He asks... Hey, Mark, love the show, but want to know what the Shine Runner connection is. Thanks. Well, thanks, Kyle. Um, good question. And I just want to let you know that uh, I call it the Shine Runner Show because I've got a 1969 Shelby GT500 that was a Shine Runner in the dry counties of the Dakotas back in the early 70s. I've also been in the beverage alcohol biz for over 25 years. And uh, Ford did a story on the cars just about a year ago. And how I made my wife's engagement ring out of a 428 Cobra Jet Lanati valve lifter. The photo shoot, in fact, took place at Drake's Brewing's dealership and tap room in Oakland, California, uh, which was a former car dealership. We also campaigned the 69 and 2013 Shelby GT500s, what I call the Shine Running Shelbys, at local craft beer or art and wine festivals to help bring attention and awareness to sponsoring craft brands. So thanks a lot, Kyle, for your email, and please send those in. So let's take a look, uh, recap from Episode 7. Last time we got into the why we need to make sales incentives fun and unique. We introduced two new terms you've not heard of before. They were funkifies, and funkifies is where you take license, you make it fun, memorable, something your internal target customer, those wholesaler salespeople, will get interested in. And then I brought out that term clutter buster. And that's kind of a zig when everyone else is zagging. Don't just pay $5 per placement. Come up with a Zilla placement incentive. We'll go deeper into this topic today. So remember, you are competing for share of mind and share of time. Be sure to include your marketing story and KDA in your clutter buster. Wherever you can, always ambassadorize and educate your internal customers. A key takeaway that I want you to remember forever, salespeople sell for people, brands, and incentives that they like. Today's topic, we're going to get into more clutter busting, taking the gloves off. So, how do we create a wholesaler clutter-busting incentive that will literally thumb-freeze the audience when we present our program in a distributor sales meeting. Hmm. Well, we begin with the wholesaler sales team and what just what, what makes them tick. By riding with, attending on-premise promotions, and witnessing dozens of wholesaler sales meetings, you will learn to understand and relate to just how this critical element to your brand's success thinks, functions, and responds. The first step to a truly great incentive is to empathize with your internal customer. If you delegate this, uh, the incentive creation and execution responsibility to someone who doesn't understand this first key step, then I'm afraid your, your results are going to be what I call four-cylinder. So as, as you or your rep, as you ride with the salesperson, ask them what they do for fun. 
Now, what are their favorite activities such as movies, TV shows, sports, bands, concerts, comedians, travel locations, foods, hobbies? Who do they attend these with? And how do they spend their spare time? This is all ammo that you can work into uh, or help you develop a clutter buster. Ask them also about their opinion, ideas, and preferred duration on sales incentives. That duration is an important one too. Some some of the sales guys really only like to go one month. Uh, I like to go two months. But you know, ask maybe maybe it differs in different distributorships or wholesalers. Also, ask the same questions to each sales rep that you interface with. This is really important from a reliability and a validity standpoint. And here's the homework. You've got to record the responses in your notes. You've got to write these down. Okay? You will find common denominators that can be creatively exploited to your brand's advantage. I guarantee it. Be sure that you ride a full day with the rep to really see what their day is like. This is critical for you. Do not cut this learning opportunity short like so many other suppliers do. Oh, after lunch, I got to go, man. I got to go do homework or, or not homework. Sorry. I have, to, I have to go do admin or office work is what I meant to say. Uh, but this is what your suppliers, your competitors are doing. They'll ride for a few hours. They'll get a free lunch in and then they're gone. You want to spend the full day. You want to really experience. Get inside the black box as I said in episode seven. Learn about what, what their day is really like. Then ride with the wholesaler's division managers, their sales managers, and the executive team. Ask them the same questions. Use this time with the senior management to get their full commitment to your incentive program or your idea. Without such, you'll really just be spinning your wheels. You want everybody committed from top to bottom. Remember that it's human nature to gravitate towards something fun, something interesting, Something creative. Now for some examples. So these clutter buster concepts really have been used for small, uh, new or obscure or even forgotten brands that really needed to punch through the clutter. So I'm going to give you kind of a concept, an idea, and then I'll give you my rationale and strategy behind it. So one of my uh, one of my more, more popular incentives that I ran was the good, bad, and the ugly bounty hunter incentive. And uh, I think I ran that about three times. And this was this, – this plays on the, the mindset of the, the younger, the 21 to 35-year-old male. Sorry, ladies, but distributor sales teams are typically more male. I apologize. I don't mean to offend uh, the ladies in the, the, in the audience. But um, this, this incentive developed uh, competitive Clint – tough cowboy kind of gunslinger uh, thoughts and it was an on-premise bounty program whereby winners received good money for poached competitive handles and their picture on a laminated 17 by 22 inch kind of old-fashioned black and white wanted bill. I I found one of these is back from the early to mid-1800s. You would not believe these guys loved this thing and they competed more for the poster I think than than for the money. And I'll bet you it's been over 10 years. I bet these things are still up in the guys' rooms, their dens or their garage, their pool table room. So uh, that was that's an example of the good, bad and the ugly bounty hunter incentive. So another one I came up with was 
the, the what I call the jerky beef. And this plays on, and I, I suppose it's not that popular, but I, I made it more popular. Was the Beverly Hillbilly Show, and that was kind of a fun show. You can you can use a lot of characters and take some creative license there. And I used I tied the Beverly Hillbilly Show to a hard tea brand and made Jethro the incentive spokesman. So anyone that might have missed the incentive, the on or off from his targets, was declared a jerky beef. And you've heard me use that term before. But but guys like that. And that the term became off the speak for a period which, which quite frankly, uh, it helped further brand awareness for this, this hard tea line. And it was, it was fun. So this one, this is for the non-alc people in the audience. But it's, it, I also want to throw it out to the people on the alcohol side because it is, it's a little bit out there. And um, – I came up with this character and I called him Dr. Broccolincini. And uh, who's Dr. Broccolincini? So I, I had to use – I had to, as I said, I had to go kind of crazy to gain the beer-centric wholesaler sales team attention to sell non-alcoholic brands. I mean that is a chore. I'll tell you. You've got people that really know craft beer or imports and, and uh, domestics or, or spirits and wine, ciders. But man, when it comes to non-alcoholic brands, that's a tough one to get them to do. So Dr. Broccolincini became the company non-alc spokes character and he came up with terms or actually I, I came up with terms such as good Brocco. And good Brocco meant it was, is this is going to be a good payout and this is incentive. And the character, I, I used this guy for three or four years, I have to say. And the sales team they they looked forward to what he was up to each month and uh, each quarter and each incentive. So really, it really helped break through the clutter. Now, speaking of, of having to really break through clutter, and this will be my last non-alc example, but I, I really had a challenge selling, getting that same sales force to sell chocolate milk, for example. Oh, boy. Uh, that's a tough one. So I, I tapped it back into the movies. I, I tapped into the Monty Python film, The Holy Grail. And I decided to kind of bring to life that rabid bunny that ate the Black Knight at the the bridge that chewed off his arms and his legs and chewed into his neck. You know, come back here! It's merely a flesh wound. And and anyways, this rabid bunny he would he he helped me launch this cool incentive. And uh, the guys really they they ate it up. You know, they, they was really it was funny to them and and memorable. And we got some really good results from that. And the supplier was I have to say the supplier was really reluctant to run it. You know, very conservative um, supplier, but uh, they love the, the results. So uh, another one, getting back into the alcohol side, the good stuff. And uh, I did this one. I called it the bucket list incentive. And this was for another super lethargic craft brand. Uh, I, I had to really, really get people to, to, to take notice of this brand. They Another one in the decline stage of the product life cycle, you know, trying to recurve that, get some life into it. So I tapped into the the sales team's passion for cars and speed, and obviously I, I have a lot of that too. And and I, I, I use the vernacular when I would present stuff like this. And and uh, so when when teams when when the salespeople when they achieved certain draft and placement goals. The, the top two salespeople, they made money, but the top two salespeople, they got the opportunity to pick to get a ride in a 69 or 2013 Shelby GT500 on the racetrack at full speed. Plus, they got cash. So uh, it, it, that may not sound like a lot to you as you're, you're doing whatever you are uh, as you listen to this podcast, but I want you to stop for a second and think about how does this compare 
to the typical $5 per placement that so many other suppliers are, are putting out there. I mean, here's a bucket list example whereby you get money and you get to get into, you know, five, 600 horsepower Shelby GT500 on the racetrack. So compare this to the other 25 supplier incentives that might be in the sales plan for, for the month that we're, that we're looking at. So let's take a little, uh, we're going to do a little curve here and uh, look at something else. Now let's, Let's check into what I call psychological clutter busting. Now, marketers have toyed with retail price and how it relates to the brand and positioning for centuries. What if we apply the same logic but to incentive payouts? Kind of a zig versus zag. So, as I've said a zillion times now, the typical payout, five bucks, okay? What if we went with five ninety five per new account placement? How about if we went with six ninety five for a seasonal or a new release placement? And then on draft handle placements, you know what's typical in your market uh, out in San Francisco, Northern California, typical is probably one fifty. So what if we went with a one fifty nine ninety five per draft placement? So I remember presenting this to the supplier. That I wanted to – it was a craft beer brand and they they just laughed. They said, Colburn, it, it, you're crazy, man. Nobody's going to – it doesn't make any difference to anybody. So I thought, well, just you know, just trust me on this. Let's go ahead and see what happens. So back to getting into that, that – the day of the distributor, wholesaler, salesperson. You know, they're trying to go 10, 15 accounts and they, they – I, I want to ask you, how much time do you think they spend selling a specific beer – or cider or something in an account. Do you think they spend 45 minutes talking about your KDA and all your really great stuff? Probably not. It's probably you know, quite a bit less than that. So let's say they get into this this uh, on-premise account, on-trade account, and there's an open handle. So And they've got three – it's an IPA that the owner is looking for. They've got three different brands they can sell that are all coincidentally on the sales plan. Do you think they're going to sell the one um, at 150 or at 150 or at 159.95. Let's say that uh, Shelby Shelby's GT500 IPA is the 159.95. I guarantee you they will sell the 159.95. What about on the off trade? So five dollars versus 595. Uh, you go into the mom and pop liquor store and they say, ah, oh, yeah, you know, we do have a, a spot opening up for for something there. Uh, what would you like to put in there? I guarantee you that they'll put the 595 into that the, the the brand that is selling the 595 or the 695 into that slot. And it's it's funny because uh, as I said the supplier they, they were skeptical, they scoffed at this, but the results, oh my gosh, uh, incredible. Uh, it, it got to the point and, and, and I, I really kept this alive because if, if you're going into a Friday sales meeting, if you have a brand manager or if you're a sales rep or yourself, you can get into as many of these meetings as possible. You can keep bringing this up. And I would get into the sales meeting and I'd say, hey, Joe, uh, I'd put these people on the spot. You know, We have 60 people in the audience. And I'd say, hey, Joe, how much for uh, a draft handle for, for Mark's uh, or for Shelby GT500 Brewing's IPA? Uh, 159.95. Hey, Sally, how much for a six-pack placement on GT500's IPA cans? 5.95. And I tell you the results were incredible. They were so good that the supplier still to this day runs those same incentive amounts and all the other suppliers are at 5 or $150. So, some more examples. Now, this is an example of a, a, a 
craft beer that is has bird related brands. And what I uh, what I did here is, and what I challenge you to do is, you try to step out of your own your own business and really take a look at some of these options. This is see, these are some of the things that I want the clutter busting uh, ideas or, or concepts to kind of resonate with, and so you can really kind of go off and, and do something kind of creative, but also is 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 in line with your positioning and, and your brand. So this particular example is again about a craft beer that has you know birds related in their 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 naming you know their branding so i came up with a quackalincini taproom incentive now try to say that fast three times but anyhow so the salesperson that earns the most feathers wins a dinner for two at this brand's taproom and and i say here's how to get plucking so net new package placements you earn five feathers net new draft line 10 feathers all cases sold, you earn one feather, and you have to have at least thirty feathers to either to even qualify. So, ask yourself, how many other incentives require the salesperson to earn feathers to win, or an incentive that is even called the Quackalincini incentive? That's what I call clutter busting. Quackalincini. People would the sales guys would say this up and down the, the, the hallways because they thought it was so funny, but but. It's top of mind and the results were fantastic and and this simple month-long incentive had such great results. Uh, they weren't intergalactic but they were strong and the key thing to remember here is if you've got a tap room, here's another example of taking advantage of that and turning it into an incentive back into the brand, into the KDA a little bit and, and you get let's say four, five or six salespeople on and off trade and they come into your tap room. There's an opportunity to ambassadorize and educate, take them through your KDA, your marketing story. They become stronger salespeople for your brand. You've got this, you know, they're they're right there, closed caption, right within your 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 backyard in your tap room. So a great, uh, I think it's a. I have to say, I think it's a great incentive. So think about that, the Quackalincini tap room incentive. So a couple more, uh, a different look. So this one, um, it, it's not you know. Not incredible, but it's not bad. So it exploits the sales guy's passion. Back to that 24 to sort of 35-year-old age segment. Uh, it exploits the sales guy's passion for working out and sort of boredom with a $5 replacement. And I called it the team bench present son-off. And this is where the sales division, let's say there's three, four, five salespeople in each division, who benches the most of, of Shelby Brewing Company's product in actual weight – wins the month-long incentive. So uh, we've never done this before. It's always in cases or placements or displays. So why not take the weight? And that includes the 22-ounce box. That includes your 12-packs. That includes your 16-ounce your, uh, cans. It includes your 5-gallon your keg, your 15.5-gallon your keg. What does all this stuff weigh? Well, it just it takes a different spin on how to run the incentive, and it separates that particular incentive from all the others that are out there. The guys loved it, and, and it was an eye-opener. You know, people talked about how much a, a 24 case weighed in cans. So it, it was good results, bragging rights for the division, you know, some talk value. And we're, we're into the third year. We did it three years in a row. That's how popular it was. A couple more. Um, I had to uh, I had to help this really slow moving Japanese beer brand uh, out, and and I had to do something kind of crazy. 
I got a little criticism for this one, but but as I said, it was just internal, and I uh, did what I call kind of a wild dance with Godzilla incentive for a Japanese beer brand, and I tapped into the movies again, you know, the films that they probably the sales team saw as kids, and they're still popular today with the newer versions. So that that was so popular that I then ran a, a Mothra versus Godzilla incentive. And you do you can do all kinds of fun stuff on PowerPoint with this, I tell you. And as I said, it's only internal. So this incentive, it surpassed the Dance with Godzilla incentive by 15%. And then I came up with this term Godzillion. And that became office speak and with the sales team, you know, Godzillion. And that was kind of cool. And and what's cool about that is it, is it, it keeps that brand top of mind when you say the term Godzillion because you roll that down in your mind. Okay, what's Godzillion? Oh, yeah, that's the run run with uh, the Mothra versus Godzilla incentive or something like that or Godzilla 3. So we're just, just a couple more here. Um, in November, December, I always had fun doing the Santa's Don't Eat Yellow Snow incentive. And that's uh, that kind of went a little bit off the sleigh or off the rails, and and you know it's you kind of step into the R rating with stuff like this and and have some fun with it, and and guys they, in that target audience they love it. So I, I came up with um, you know kind of bit of, a lot of humor to and, and some truly creative Christmas incentives. We we put out this put out some good money for the most creative display, and that could be an on or off premise. It could be at a display. Uh, in, a, in a supermarket chain, and that was lucrative, and we'd go out and judge that thing. We got a lot of contributions for that. We did the typical uh, placement and, and draft handle payouts, but then I did something really kind of crazy that I didn't have a lot of response for this, but it was fun. As I said, you know, funkifies, funkifies, and we I did the most creative branded Christmas carol sung in a Friday sales meeting by the division and that earned them snowballs and you'd be it was hilarious and you had to use the name of the brand and the beer in the the, the Christmas carol and man we just had a blast these guys were laughing and, and the talk value after the sales meeting really really clutter busting getting away from all those other brands I mean as I said go back to the Friday sales meeting and typically they're so boring all of a sudden you've got a division coming up with kind of an R-rated funny don't eat yellow snow uh, beer branded Christmas Carol I mean it's great so my last one and you're probably saying okay Colburn geez you know we've we've got we've got a lot of examples thanks but what's your number one man what's the best one you've ever run and I'm gonna tell you this is the number one clutter buster in 20 years of work and I called it the insidious haunted house incentive and I ran this probably three or four times. So let's get into it. Uh, Halloween is a fun time. It is the second biggest spending holiday in the U.S. behind Christmas. It's in the billions. The candy sales, the costumes, and the alcohol. People love to party at Halloween. We've got to take advantage of this. So how do you do that? I leveraged the Haunted House Fascination. With a weekly, what I called, trip to the haunted house. This was for a craft beer supplier, and obviously a, it was a month-long incentive. It started October 1st. So what I did is I got to explain this to you, the, the haunted house with the graphics. I, I, I got together. I, I ran the graphics team, and we made a 4x4 four four or 5x5 five five full-color picture. of, And you got to kind of, kind of picture in your mind the, the Munster's house. And in full color, though. And so in the background was this giant haunted house. 
and there were things going on in every room. So you could see into the windows and the front door and all throughout the front and the side yards. Things were going on there. And what I mean by that, you'd have Frankenstein in, in one window maybe getting you know electric, electricity into his, his neck bolts. And then you'd have vampires chewing on somebody in another one and, and had rabid pumpkins flying. You know, I put wings on these little pumpkins and they had big old fangs. And uh, you have Dracula in another spot. And you have ghosts and ghouls flying all over the place. You had witches, werewolves. You had a guillotine with a dude getting his – his head cut off. You had vampire bats. You had people getting hung, and you had skeletons that were really spooky skeletons. And you had a really neat cemetery over, say, to the right of this huge, huge graphic. And you had people in an electric chair. You had zombie cats. You had mummies. So you get the idea. I mean, it's really fun, you know. And, and guys, I mean, we're all we were all little kids, and we love to go trick or treating, right? So this is playing on all that. It's back to that black box. You're really trying to dig deep into the psyche of these people so that they will really perform for your brands. Believe it or not, there's some there's some intellectual you know strategy going on here. So each Friday, I would I, you would you would these guys would compete and ladies would compete for an opportunity to go to the haunted house. So this again, it took front and center in the sales meeting in the typically boring sales meetings. I would come in, I would close up all the drapes, make it dark in there. I would play spooky music. And then I would go put on this super scary monster mask and I'd get a flashlight and I had my numbers. So I knew that, say, four people were going to be going to the haunted house. So I would get the flashlight, put it underneath my chin and I'd walk up and down the 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 uh, sales meeting room, walking by these guys and ladies and kind of trying to scare them and stuff. And nobody knew who was going to the haunted house. So the reason they wanted to go to the haunted house is because let's say you've got two draft handles. That week, which is awesome for the brand. You know, it's tough to get draft handles these days. And what a trip to the haunted house means that you would go up to this gorgeous color, spooky uh, vignette or picture of a haunted house with all these cool ghoulies in there. And what I'd done is I had taken an X-Acto knife and carefully cut out little doors in each of the vignettes. So you could open up the little door. These are obviously closed. And you would open up the little door when it was your turn and you could pick maybe 30, 35 of these doors. And what's cool about that is you know what your budget is because you you assign dollar values when you open up the door. So you open up the door. You might win $50. You might win as much as 300 So it was lots of competition to get to the haunted house. So as I said, you'd know what the budget is and we never exceeded the budget because if you had 35 doors, we we didn't have 35 trips to the the haunted house. Anyhow, so uh, I would be playing this music and then I would call out the name of, you know, Joe. You're up to the haunted house, and he would go up there, and he would he, he would pick his favorite thing. Maybe he was a little as a little kid, he dressed as Frankenstein, so he's going to open up Frankenstein. Boom! There's Frankenstein for two hundred bucks. Yes. So I mean, it was lots of fun. That number would be recorded, and they would be paid that money later on down the road. But um, we had weekly weekly performers. They would pick a ghoul, a monster, ghost, witch, vampire, or whatever, and that would reveal their dollar prize. And I got to tell you, it was as far as fun cafes. These guys loved it. They started talking about it in freaking August. Hey, Mark, we're going to do the haunted house. Hey, man, you know, this is, you think about drawing one of these or can we increase this or can we do that? But the talk value up to it was, was fantastic. So we did this three years in a row. So 
as far as this this Halloween incentive, it's got a lot more to it than just the, the face value. This, my friends, is a great strategic quarter four momentum builder. Halloween, man, that's October. What is it? It's the beginning of quarter four. You know, the, the fourth quarter is, I mean, that's do or die. That is when you really want to rock and roll. That's when people are drinking, they're partying in, 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 at Halloween, and they're carrying right through to Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's when craft beer and imports and, and cider and good spirits and wine are being consumed. I mean, you're, you're not going to take you know, two buck chuck to a freaking cool party where you want to meet a lot of cool people, right? You're going to bring the good stuff. You're going to bring that really good good craft beer, you know, the GT500 Brewing IPA. So the team, you want your team in this 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 Halloween incentive. You really want to try to write this to whereby your sales teams, your wholesaler sales teams, they'll, they'll maintain that real estate through Thanksgiving, through Christmas, and into New Year's. And that's even tougher. And, um, you know, that's something that you, you got to really put some thought to. But um, anyhow, so also, keep in mind that in quarter four, that's when the wine and spirits guys are going to be gunning for your space, especially as Turkey Day nears. I mean, every cubic inch is is being scoured by those wine people. So the stronger you make your Halloween incentive, the stronger momentum you have going into that November, December selling season, and then hopefully into New Year's, another great party time. So a solid fourth quarter incentive sets you up nicely also for your wholesaler ABP. Remember this, your annual business plan meetings. Those are typically held in late October through December. And if you've got a strong, you've got good sales, momentum going through quarter four, I mean, that's going to just help in your ABP meeting with your your first quarter line extension asks for seasonals and new items to your wholesalers. They're going to look at that momentum. I mean, they're going to, they're going to have their VIP or IDIG reports right in front of them during your ABP. And if you've got great numbers, you know, that haunted house incentive just got you a nice pop. They're going to notice that. They're going to say, wow, this brand is really smoking and they've got plans for November, December. Yeah, I think we can do that in Q1. I think we can take that line extension on. You know, I know it's not that easy, but it's certainly increases the probability of success for you. So don't let the fourth quarter just pass you by and start it off with maybe Fleet Week. Start it off with a Halloween incentive, something really cool like that. So another good point about the fourth quarter with with a uh, with momentum behind you and a solid strategic and fun incentive is that it'll help defend against skew rat analysis. And that's where the wholesaler, and I'm sure this is not a new term to you if you're in the biz, that's where the wholesaler distributors are looking to cut items because they know that new stuff, they want to cut the slow movers so that they can make space for the first quarter because they've got so many ABPs. And as we said at the beginning of the show, there's there's all these these big wholesalers are getting bigger because they're taking more and more suppliers. They take more suppliers. They take on more SKUs. They need that space. The space isn't growing. Are they building second floors to their distributorships or their wholesalers? I kind of doubt it. So they've got to cut the slow movers. If you've got rock and roll numbers going on in Q4, I mean, you've got the horsepower behind that Halloween incentive and some other stuff going on. They're not going to cut you. You're you're selling too well. In fact, it's going to set you up nicely for for Q1 asks. So. A great Halloween incentive has massive strategic implications for your brand and 2019. So, recap from Episode 8. Understand and empathize with the wholesaler, salesperson, and team. 
ride with these people as much as you can. Your goal is to get into their heads. What really motivates them? How do they define fun? What Just what is their attitude about incentives? Try your best to experience their day, their life, to get a better picture of and how an incentive will really motivate these people. Don't forget to ride with the senior management team. You've got to have their commitment and you want to learn how they think. We went through multiple examples of clutter-busting incentives and uh, how those exceeded sales results. We also looked, remember, at the psychological incentive payouts, and those freaking worked. Be sure to create incentives that are memorable, fun, profitable, and unique. Wholesaler sales teams will sell and compete for brands, suppliers, and incentives that they like. Hey, just a reminder, in my show, I need some sponsors. I mean, this is a real specific show. If you've got a product or service that that caters to professional brewers, to cideries, to the spirits distiller, to the wine people, to non-alks, and to the home brewers, can you find a more targeted show? And I'm looking for one sponsor. I mean, what do we have? Something like 70,000 on the audience and there's over 2 million downloads and on the Brewing Network uh, each year. So I need at least one sponsor. And I, you can tell from my personality, I will really, really rock and roll for you. So please, we're looking for some sponsors. Please contact the Brewing Network regarding sponsorship of the Shine Runner Show. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Please check out my website at shinerunnercraftmarketing.com, my book, Craft Beer Marketing and Distribution, Brace for Skumageddon, and my Patreon site, Shine Runner Craft Marketing, where you can subscribe and we'll look under the hood to dig deeper into those podcasts for more horsepower and additional content. Join us next time on the Brewing Network's Shine Runner Show for episode 9, whoo, up to 9, the great tectonic marketing shift taking place in your backseat. Thank you. Thank you.